Constellation, Episode 17, The Exorcist. says Gus, under his breath. He's been staring at the photograph on the screen now for a few minutes. There's something that isn't right, that's perhaps impossible. He can't even say what it is exactly. He's always had a lot of these kinds of feelings, a strong emotional reaction to something that he can't separate out into its constituent parts. He can't see the whole constellation. It's been getting worse recently. He puts it down to long COVID. Although which variant of COVID it was, he couldn't tell. Anyway, the photograph. Concentrate, he thinks to himself. Three men are on stage. One is giving a speech behind a lectern. He's looking up, raising his hand, almost like he's giving a blessing. Behind him, a banner reads, Freedom Now. Either side of him, looking on, are two others. One is easy. It's Dominic Cummings. Although where he's been the last few years, since he got booted out of number 10, Gus doesn't know. It's the other two that draw his attention. He zooms into the speaker. Short grey hair, balding, medium height, maybe late 50s or 60s but well preserved. Gus opens another browser window 
He searches with Ecosia, his favourite search engine, because it plants trees, for the video that he's looking for. The nine o'clock service, 1990. Lots of nines. He scrolls through the YouTube video until he finds the section he was looking for. The Reverend Chris Brain is dressed in white robes, preaching in front of a huge congregation. As he looks upwards and raises his hand, Gus pauses the video and resizes the window so that he can look at it next to the photo. The same look, the same gesture, the same guy. Shit. Just looking at him makes him dizzy. Bad, bad memories there. He has to tell the others. He was going to call Mary and Carl later on anyway, but he doesn't think he can wait that long. He's buzzing. Gus takes a deep breath before turning his attention to the other figure. Slightly more in the shadows, balding, a shorter, older version of Dominic Cummings. It's difficult to see clearly. Gus saves the image, opens it in Photoshop, increases the contrast, zooms into guy number three, and chooses a brush from the drop-down menu. Carefully, he paints the guy's head to give him black hair and ends by adding a quiff. Fuck. Gus feels a sense of panic. Then, an enormous feeling of relief. He breaks out into a sweat, runs to the toilet and throws up his breakfast. Later on, on Zoom. Hey, Mary, Carl. All right, brilliant, says Gus. Brilliant. This this is a very important Zoom. Very, very important. Hey, Mary, says Carl, interrupting. That bookcase behind you. Yeah? Want to borrow a book? No, but you used to have a photo with you and Aung San Suu Kyi. Yeah, says Mary. Don't go there. Please don't go there. In fact, she can't bear to throw it away. It's hidden at the bottom of her desk drawer. What else have we gotten rid of? asked Carl. Gus, have you dumped all your Michael Jackson records? Never. Michael stays, says Gus. How about Gary Glitter's greatest hits? Prince Andrew Memorial Mug? Johnny Depp movies? Jim will fix it, Badge. Photo of me and Boris Johnson, asks Carl. You haven't got one, begins Mary. Joke, says Carl. All right, all right, all right, says Gus, who's almost unable to control his excitement. Look, this is what it's all about. Who's this then, asks Gus, sharing the image with them. Oh, that's the new party, starts Mary. Freedom now? 
with Cummings lurking in the background as usual, says Carl. Neither right nor left, he keeps saying. In my book, anyone who says that is usually a Nazi. And that's... that's what's his name, says Mary. Brian? Brian Christopherson, Carl fills in. He's much more dangerous than Cummings, don't you think? I mean, Cummings is a nerd. But this guy, he's got something about him. Look at his eyes. Evangelical. Manson's eyes, says Gus. You're spot on with the evangelical bit. Look again. Brian, my ass. Oh my God, says Mary. It's Chris. He's losing his hair now, but that's Chris. Chris? Which Chris? Asks Carl. Oh Jesus, that Chris. How did you find out, Gus? Asks Mary. Well, you know, I was listening to some of his speeches. It's like a total mishmash. He mixes green politics with right-wing shit, anti-Muslim stuff, going on about family values and Judeo-Christian culture while being openly anti-Semitic. He says he was a Brexiteer, and then he says it's the elite who've betrayed the people with Brexit. It's right dodgy, if you ask me. Anyway, but then, I saw the photo this morning. It's the gesture, like he's looking up above everyone, looking up to God and his hand goes up like a blessing. Anyway, his name change wasn't the most uh, imaginative. Chris Brain becomes Brian Christofferson. Wow, says Mary. Who'd have thought that he'd turned up again, out of the blue? I can't imagine him and Cummings getting along, though. Surely that's an ego car crash waiting to happen. But now, says Gus, ta-da, just look at the other one. He's lost his quiff, says Gus. Oh my God, says Mary. It's Zed. No, could it be? Apparently, says Gus. He's called Des now. Oh, but he was always called Des. You didn't think that Zed was his real name. There's a long pause. The three of them are looking at each other, each waiting for the other to begin. It's Carl that breaks the silence. But you know what this means, Gus? It means that what you thought had happened, well, you know, what we all wondered about, up on the moor, that it didn't... Well, you know what I mean, but you didn't think that anymore, right? Well, says Gus... I never knew for certain. He just, you know, he he just disappeared. And when that body turned up, continues Mary, I can imagine you were freaked out. I can still see you now, standing in front of my door. It was the summer of 1988. 
Gus was reading the paper. He was convinced that the headlines were just lies, writ large to sell papers. He preferred to look through the columns of minor news. Here were gems to be found, which he cut out and kept. They often became lyrics for songs. He was a good one. Demolition Derby. 80 new Ford cars worth some £350,000 have been smashed to smithereens by young vandals in an Essex garage compound. The surprise for some will be that thousands of new cars with the ignition keys are left unlocked in compounds. For the car-owning classes, there will also be dismay that young people could treat shiny new motors in this way. Have they no respect? Behind the bland face of youth lies a limitless world of anarchy. Brilliant, thought Gus. Behind the bland face of youth could be the name of the next album. Not that he'd ever made an album yet, of course, but when he did, and then he turned the page. Bogman Body Mystery. Gus felt hot. There was a prickling all over his scalp and the feeling that someone was pressing down on his head. He reached for his asthma inhaler and took a puff. Then he carried on reading. South Yorkshire Police brought in archaeologists when a body was discovered in a marsh on Ringing Low Moor last week. The body was unearthed by a sheepdog and is in a well-preserved state, said a police spokeswoman. It's still unclear how long the body has spent in the bog. Scientists have taken samples to carry out carbon dating. There is no obvious cause of death at the moment, but police are not yet ruling out foul play. Shit, thought Gus. They've found him, Zed, the quiff man. They'll follow the signs and come and get me. It wasn't my fault, he attacked me. On the other hand, hang on, hang on, calm down, calm down. Bodies, bodies, they can stay in a bog for hundreds, thousands of years. There was this Lindo man a few years ago in a peat bog too, and he was from what? The bloody Iron Age or something. Neither Gus or his friends had heard anything of Zed, the guy who'd gatecrashed their acid trip since he'd disappeared upon the moor. The last thing Gus remembers was a fight and then both falling into a stream. Dave pulled him out. Everyone was laughing and washing the peat off him in the cold water. Gus had looked, felt a bit like a peat bog man at that moment. He'd been trying not to think about it if Zed had managed to get out or not. Maybe the body was Zed, still there in the peat. The pressure on his head seemed worse. He was having difficulty breathing. He needed to find out. Who knew? Mary had no contact with him anymore. Maybe up at St Tom's. Gus suddenly had to know. If someone had heard from Zed, then it was all okay. If not, then he, Gus, was a murderer.
His heart was pounding even before he got on his bike. And it was quite a ride. Sheffield had more hills than Rome. And he had to cross three of them to get up to St Tom's. It was a special day at St Thomas's. There was a special visitor, the American evangelist John Wimber, and Chris and the team were showing him proudly around the church. He was to join the service the next day, a Sunday. The church was obviously small for the large and growing congregation, and Although he was impressed with their decor, lighting, multiple video screens, a quadraphonic sound system, Wimber was trying to persuade them to look for another location. Look, over in the States, we fill football stadiums. There must be something here. How about, what's it called? Sheffield Wednesday? He was just showing them some photos of one of his own services. Huge lines of people queuing up for a laying on of hands, when Gus ran in, gasping. He was emotional, out of breath, and he wasn't making much sense. Body, body in the peat bog. I fell underwater, underwater. I killed him. Is he here? Is he here? Chris put his hand on Gus's head. The Lord is here, he said. The Lord will forgive you. But, says Gus, but I have to know, is he alive? Is he alive? Who? asked Wimber. Who is it that you seek? Do you seek Jesus? He's covered in mud. He's, he's oozing, he's oozing mud and we're underwater. I, I can't breathe, said Gus, who had forgotten his inhaler, and he collapsed on the floor. He's clearly possessed, said Wimber. We must help him. We need to take him somewhere safe. They took Gus outside, bundled him into Chris's car, and drove the half mile to Chris's house, where the women of the home base team were surprised at the sudden invasion. They helped Gus through into the back room. They drew the curtains, and the exorcism began. Gus doesn't remember much about what happened next. He vaguely remembers things flying about the room and a rising sense of panic, of resistance. Gus didn't really care if there was a demon inside him or not. He just wanted to get the fuck out of there as quickly as possible. At some point, Chris left the room while Wimber was doing his spiel. Start breathing out, brother. You have to come out of there. His American accent made Gus think of the Eno burn record, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, and he started to giggle. This didn't go down well at all, and Wimber got more agitated, shouting at him, Out! Out, Jezebel! 
out. Chris returned, and Gus saw that he was carrying a huge cross. Oh fuck, thought Gus, he's going to kill me with it. And, gathering all the energy he still had, he pulled himself free of Wimber and threw himself at the window. Luckily it was on the ground floor and the thick curtains stopped him being cut up too much by the glass. Finding himself in the backyard, Gus nipped over the fence into the neighbour's garden. He crossed three more gardens. He must have been full of adrenaline because although notably unfit, he managed to scale a brick wall and then escape down an alleyway. He ran instinctively downhill until he reached the gate to the Botanic Gardens. He ran through the park until he found himself by a familiar building. The aquarium. He could hide in there. It was nice and dark, except for the illuminated tanks. The movement of the fish was slow and calming and he got his breath back. But then the sound of the pumps, the bubbling, seemed to swell, to surround him, and he found himself underwater again, struggling with Zed, who was trying to pull him under to drown him. He struggled with his eyes shut, only opening them when he felt a pain in his knees. He found that he was outside, crawling over the pavement. A small child was pointing at him. Mummy, look at the funny man. Gus got to his feet. Mummy pulled the child away suspiciously. Gus walked quickly as if everything was normal. Pretend, just pretend everything's okay. Then he had a brainwave. Mary lived close by, on Sharrowvale Road. Mary didn't recognise Gus at first. His clothes were torn. He had cuts on his face. He was covered in dirt and he was crying. Mary put him in the bath, made him that English panacea a cup of tea. And when she realised that Gus wasn't making any sense, she called an ambulance. And then Gus's mum. It was to be Gus's first long stay in hospital.
Bert, says Mary, back on Zoom. You've been pretty good recently. And this just shows you that all that worry was for nothing. He's still around, though, like a ghost. I'd flip out if I met him. And Chris, I was thinking, you know, people believe all sorts of stuff that you can barely even call alternative facts. Look at QAnon. But no one's talking about this, that a manipulator, an abuser, is actually running a party. Maybe that's because most politicians are manipulators, said Mary, and abusers are plenty everywhere. He's just one of the lads. We should do something about this, says Carl. Can't we act them? Troll the fuck out of them? Start some kind of conspiracy thing ourselves? Gus, you need to unleash one of your algorithms. I can't get involved, says Gus. I... Come on, Gus, says Mary. No one would know that you were behind it. OK, I'll think about it. Come up with a plan, and we'll see. But I've got to go. I've got to take a pill. All this is too much, really. But, like, I'm okay. Honest. Everything's going to be better now. Now now that I know. See yous. When Gus leaves, Carl and Mary look at each other through their screens for a long time without saying anything. Zed had drowned up there, says Mary. Don't know. I was, I was off my tits just like you were. I don't think I ever believed that it was Gus's fault. There was like a kind of nagging doubt that maybe we were all responsible. Me too. But it was easy for me to ignore it. I was just glad that Zed had disappeared. That he wasn't hassling me anymore. I kept telling myself that he'd gone off to start a new life in Manchester. But actually it feels like it's a huge relief that he's still alive. After all this time. I think I need a drink. Me too. But listen, we've got to watch out for Gus now, says Carl. If this party does well, these guys are going to be on TV non-stop. He could flip out totally again. You're right, says Mary. I was surprised he managed to keep out of the QAnon stuff. He was always into conspiracies. You know, the Illuminati and all that. Maybe we should get him out of the UK for a bit. He could come over and stay with me and Yannicka in the A. Tim's away at uni now, so we have a spare room. Though it's getting a bit hot here with the demonstrations. Or how about the free state of Brussels? There's always room here. But it's pretty fucked up here too at the moment. But hey, what are we going to do about freedom now? If you and Gus can come up with some kind of plan, I can, I can always call some people in. What kind of people? I have a team of Polish trolls at my command, remember? They owe me some hours on Twitter. Hang on, you haven't told me anything about Ecotopia yet. Oh, it's wild. You'd love it, I think. Though, maybe it's so utopian you wouldn't have anything to do. 
come to think of it, we'd all probably be bored shitless. But I've got some news too. What? asks Mary. Getting married? Get away, says Carl. No, I've got a solo show in Sheffield. End of April. At the museum. Wow, that's great. Maybe it's time we all had a reunion.